0: you in the 06010. Fantasy Focus Focus Football is presented by Geico. Insurance can be hard. That's why Geico makes it easy with 24 7 claim support and on the go policy info in the app. It's easy to Geico. Happy Thursday, final day of November, the first night of action for Week 13 NFL season. And we, my friends, have a special guest the man, the myth, the legend <laughs> you may know him as the host yep. of ESPN Bet Live right. recently rebranded mm-hmm. wonderful show it's making all kinds of waves in the world of sports betting and just sports media in general you may know him as mike clays arch nemesis you may know him as food network contestant <laughs> on guy's grocery right. game Tyler Fulghum is in the building what's going on uh,
1: a tremendous introduction field you uh, have made me blush here which is hard to do mm, given yeah. my complexion but yeah all those things are true yes. happy to be here now in Connecticut even though i had to leave las vegas to yeah. host espn bet live and be on campus with you yeah. and the rest of the gang here and yeah it was a uh, great run on Guy's grocery games. Just fell a little bit short of graduating to uh, senior year and a chance at 35k.
0: I know. That happened last night. For mm-hmm. those that may have missed it, go watch the episode. Yeah. I told Tyler when I walked in this morning, I said, Tyler, I know you're my friend. I know that I'm biased, but you got screwed. Yeah. So if well, the judges are out there listening right now, guy, if Guy is watching this, on. Tyler got screwed. <laughs> redemption. You know, they often do, though, like yeah. those redemption tour type shows on Food for. Network. So you can be like the best of, right? Chop is big on that. Like, you know, the contestants that almost got there, but didn't quite quite win that could be you one day
1: that's what i'm hoping for um and and guy said that, you know hopefully this isn't the last time we see each other and hopefully guy it's not the last time because i'd love to come back and compete again against some other uh, home chefs for that's, a shot
0: that's an interesting question actually though do you think guy was saying like he wants you to one day compete mm. on food network again or this guy has sports betting insight he wants to be on espn bet live one day in bristol
1: I'll invite him. He's certainly welcome to join ESPN Bet Live anytime he wants. I know Guy is a huge fan of Bay Area teams. Yeah. He goes to a lot of Warriors games. Even though the Raiders are in Vegas, he's still a Raiders fan. Yeah, so, Guy, if you want some wagering advice on your beloved Warriors, who right now are
0: struggling a yeah. little bit, yeah, bet against uh, them. How's <laughs> exactly. that? Exactly. Yeah.
1: Or, or your Raiders, who after making the change to Antonio Pierce as head coach, have been a little more frisky, especially from a fantasy perspective with guys like Josh Jacobs.
0: Let me ask you this. What are the chances the guy has some influence on who the Raiders make their full-time head coach next?
1: I will say this. It's possible Guy Fieri... Guy Fieri Fieri, Fieri, Fieri Fieri, has more money than Mark Davis, more (laughs) cash available than Mark. So he might have more influence if he wants to get a piece of the the Raiders at this point. Guy is a very wealthy man. So uh, maybe Mark should call Guy and say, hey, if you'd like a little bit of an ownership stake uh, and some say in personnel, here you go. Say, you're richer than Brady and (laughs) Brady got a piece of the pie, so come on in. (laughs) I
0: remember when Guy recently re-upped his deal with Food Network and it was one of those things that uh, in the version of Twitter that I still think back upon fondly, uh, which like I thought was like just a fun, like, you know, there's always going to be some negativity on social media. I thought it was just like this fun amicable place for the most part when his news broke about how much he makes per year. It was just one of those things where it was like, no one was dunking on guy. Everybody was just like, oh my God, what a legend this man is uh, for all he has accomplished at Food Network. And as somebody who watches a lot Couldn't of guys' more. grocery games and, of course, Triple D, uh, I can tell you he's probably worth that coin. <laughs> uh, Tyler, not just a betting analyst, of course, and host. Also, if you guys watch fantasy football now on Sunday mornings, you mm-hmm. know that he has plenty of fantasy insights. So we said, "Going to the bullpen, baby. We got Tyler Fulgham here. So we're going to do, as we always do on Thursdays, a preview of the game tonight. Yep. Okay. Plus, the first half of our week 13 full preview, a little bit of a lighter week this week with six teams yep. on a bye. Just two more byes to go after this week, commanders and cardinals next week. But we got to get through this last six week buy. as I will say, every time the NFL has six teams on a bye, don't do it. Four teams max. <laughs> yeah. It's on. I, I truly believe that the NFL it's is annoying. not mindful enough of the fantasy community during these six teams on a bye week.
1: And it would be wise to be as mindful mindful of the fantasy and wagering community because that is what is going to drive engagement with the NFL going forward. Right. The fact that we can wager, the fact that we play fantasy. Yeah, Roger Goodell, all the owners. You're your allowed to blood. be here.
0: You're allowed to be here whenever you want. By the way, <laughs> we're going to start with. I uh, think it's a big upgrade from Mike Clay. Yeah. I just. Just saying. The, I, I got a few texts already <laughs> that were like, uh, so Clay. Um, Love you, Michael. Can we can this happen forever? Um, so uh, Thursday night football, we got the Seahawks yeah. against the Cowboys. Uh, the Seahawks are wearing their throwback uniforms tonight, which does make me a little bit excited, I'm not going to lie. Those are choice. They are uh, they are excellent. Those are elite. Yeah, you are a Rams fan. Yeah. You can admit as much mm-hmm. as well. And by the way, Tyler, you have a vested interest in this game because your Rams yeah. are just one game back of these Seahawks. So you're probably rooting for the Cowboys tonight. But let's dive into it from a fantasy perspective. If you have any of Dak Prescott Scott or CeeDee Lamb or Tony Pollard. You were starting those players because Dak is the hottest player in fantasy right now. CeeDee Lamb, not too far behind amongst wide receivers, but there's one, I guess, one last question for the Cowboys. You know, you do a lot of daily fantasy as well, so you can always kind of find these value plays here. Jake Ferguson, though, from a season-long perspective, is he tickle your fancy at all here?
1: Yeah, I I do like Jake Ferguson. We know tight end's kind of a barren wasteland, although this year is much better than years past. We have more depth at the position. It's not just Travis Kelsey, uh, Mark Andrews, and then um, nothing. But Jake Ferguson has been productive. He's going through a little bit of a slump right now, but I love this environment for the Cowboys' offense. I expect Dak to keep cooking. I think they're going to score you know, 25 to 31 points, somewhere in that range, and if that's what I'm expecting from an offense... Getting a tight end who is a part of that and who has shown he can earn five, seven, eight targets, I think is worth starting this week.
0: So I had this with my notes written down. Where I had uh, you know five or more targets, three of his past five games. He has a touchdown in three of his past five games, but back to back games without a score. But the most important note that I had is that Ferguson, who's my tight end eight for this week, mm-hmm. plays with Dak Prescott. Yeah. Like, that's the most important. I mean, between Brandon Cooks and, and Jake Ferguson and the guys who are not named CeeDee Lamb, who also catch passes, like, the, the possibility exists, right? With the way that Dak is performing right yeah. now, you kind of want, want as much of this Cowboys offense 100%. when a player has a defined role like Jake Ferguson does. He's my tight end eight for this week. But everything gets more complicated on the Seattle side. Oh, yeah. Uh, so the team announced yesterday that Kenneth Walker III is doubtful to play. Uh, I was going to say that that means he's out, but as we learned last week with Max, Max Crosby, Crosby <laughs> and Darius Slayton, two guys who were doubtful, yeah. there had been 67 players that were listed as doubtful going into last week all of them missed the game. That's crazy. And then two played (laughs) this past week. I'm going to count on Kenneth Walker III not playing. So for the purposes of this analysis, have you seen enough from uh, Zach Charbonnet who, not just over the past couple weeks, but you being a West Coast guy, probably saw some of him during his years at UCLA.
1: Yeah, I I think Charbonnet is a really good player. I think he, um, unfortunately, last week and this week is going to be undone by bad matchup Mm. and bad offensive environment. And what I mean by that is Geno Smith, to me, clearly doesn't look 100%. He took that hit against the Rams and Aaron Donald. Came back at the end of that game and then played last week but it's not the Geno Smith we saw last year certainly. And this offense as a whole this season has kind of been, you know, kind of Stuck in neutral a little bit. All year. DK has had some up and downs. Tyler Lockett's been hurt. Kenneth Walker's been out of lineup. Injuries on the offensive line. So I do not trust them in this environment because the Dallas Cowboys have a defense that's on par with the San Francisco 49ers. And I think they can make life very difficult for everyone, Charbonnet included. Yeah, so
0: I've got him as right around, I've got him as RB18 this week. And I'm going to say this 50 times on the show, so I apologize in advance. Six teams on a bye, right? Mm -hmm. So you've got players that were normally starting that are not available because of the bye week. Josh Jacobs amongst the running backs that are not available this week. Here is the good thing that has that Zach Charbonnet has going for him right now is that it's his show in the backfield. I'm going to this is a stat courtesy of our good friend John Daigle Uh, 20 since Kenneth Walker III got hurt. Zach Charbonnet has handled 29 of their 32 running back carries. That's That's good. good. They're 10 of their 12 running back targets and a 15.1% target share, right? So like those boxes that have been checked Mm -hmm. are all good enough that he's going to hang on to some value, but the possibility exists of a game like last week when they got smoked by the 49ers in which he was just fine nothing special.
1: In PPR, I think he's got an opportunity to get there because he could earn those five or six dump targets, off, and I sorry. expect Geno Smith to be under pressure and need to dump the ball off, yeah. and if he has four or five catches and turns that into 40, 50 yards, and maybe stumbles into a touchdown, uh, he's just not going to you know win you this week, I don't think. You're going to need him to catch there. a lot of footballs in PPR and standard scoring. He, he's going to struggle, I think, in you've, this matchup. And you've
0: already kind of highlighted some of the concerns for Geno tonight, but man, like, I don't know how many people, I'd be genuinely curious, in a 10 or 12 team league, how many people are still hanging on to Geno as their starting quarterback my guess would be very few other than people who play in a league in which everybody drafts a backup and they just couldn't find a trade to upgrade from gino but he has under 14 fantasy points in three of his past four games he has under 10 fantasy points in two of his last four games and how about this he's actually on pace for more than 10 fewer passing touchdowns this year than last year he's on pace for under 20 passing touchdowns I, don't, I mean, he, I don't think Gino has regressed as a player. I think this offense, I almost feel like what happened last year is that sort of like best case scenario, yeah. like the top yeah. simulation. If mm-hmm. you run it a hundred mm-hmm. times hit last year, yeah, I agree with and you. now we kind of like r- sort of regressed back to the mean to borrow a Mike clay idea. And he just is, he's not startable in fantasy I, and against I, the Cowboys. Good luck.
1: 100% agree with that, yeah. The Cowboys at home especially yeah. are just a disgusting matchup for opposing offenses, quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers. Everyone struggles against Dallas at home. They're 5-0 at home, 5-0 against the spread. Their average margin of victory is 29 points. 29! They're covering by an average of 18 points per game. I mean, they're just blowing That's out the absurd. opposition. It is absolutely absurd. That is so, so man. What a do weird. not like Seahawks um, options at all tonight.
0: J- does, that, does that apply to the wide receivers? Like, Do you feel any more confidence or a responsibility to play them
1: I mean if you have DK Metcalf you're starting him likely you don't have a better option Tyler Lockett is probably a similar scenario if I have Jackson Smith and Jigba in my flex I'd probably try and find something else again you're hoping that Dallas gets up by a couple touchdowns early and Geno just on sheer volume has to throw because efficiency is not going to be there it's not going to be there against this team so on sheer volume maybe he connects in the fourth quarter with Lockett or Metcalf but uh you know, there's there's way better offenses to attach yourself to this week than the Seattle Seahawks in Dallas against that defense.
0: There's this weird thing that we do in fantasy football. And it's very human, is that like you attach name value to the player and his fantasy value, whether you should or should not. Mm-hmm. But you as the fantasy manager, if you sit DK Metcalf and he finds his way to four yeah, catches yeah. for a hundred yards and a touchdown tonight, that would sting you much more than and I'm I'm just making a totally random scenario up. If you say, you know what, I'm going to play Zay Jones yeah. over DK Metcalf and Zay, who's obviously been very quiet, goes for, you know, five for 67 and a touchdown on Monday night. Like if you do the inverse, 100%. right, if you play DK Metcalf with Zay Jones on your bench, it stings, but it doesn't sting the way that if you sit DK Metcalf and he goes yep. off stings. And that's the case with both DK Metcalf and Tyler Lock. Let's put some numbers to it just yep. for some perspective on how bad they have been all right, so not bad, but just how meh they have been <laughs> mid. So DK does have two top 15 finishes in his past three weeks, but the variance is so wild. He has one game this year, one with a hundred or more receiving yards, and he wow. has one game with over seven catches. So if he doesn't have a big play right. and a touchdown, right. it's hard to count on DK Metcalf. Now, he's also six foot four, 225 pounds. Runs like the wind. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure how many players are a better bet for a big play than DK.
1: And I'm going to give him an aesthetic boost with the uniforms tonight. When DK comes off the bus in that Seattle throwback, looking 6'4", 225, Vaseline, baby oil, you know, like, Like, maybe he runs a 4'2", tonight. Yeah, do
0: you want to tell him you're sitting him? Because I don't. (laughs) And with Lockett, you know, sort of same deal. Like, I think with Lockett, the thing about Tyler Lockett that I think maybe makes it a little bit easier to just, like, continue to play him is that this is who he's been forever, right? But he has... 39 targets over his past five games. That's almost eight a game. Check That's that. a pretty good number, Check right? Um, but he has no 100 yard games this season. Tyra Lockett inconsistent this year, as he has been for many years in the past. I have both of these guys. Here's where I have them ranked. I have uh, Lockett as wide receiver, 18 DK at wide receiver, 12. Okay. Say it again. Second time, second mention Six teams on a buy and a lot of wide receivers not available this week. The likes of which include, uh, no, obviously, no Vikings at all, all right. no DJ Moore. Mm-hmm. There is no Devontae Adams, amongst several other teams that are on a buy this week. You want to pick this one? I think I know which way you're going.
1: Yeah, I mean, the Cowboys. Big. Absolutely. Yeah, they win, they cover. I'm going to talk about it on ESPN Bet Live later tonight. But uh, this is an offense I expect to score 30-plus points. I see struggles for Seattle. So uh, when C- Dallas has taken on teams like this that yeah. they're superior to in terms of, uh, you know, talent, yeah. they've smashed them this year. They've absolutely smashed them. I, yeah. I don't see any reason <laughs> to stop fu- tonight. You know,
0: it's funny is like this is how you know your brain's getting a little bit too sick right now as a fantasy <laughs> football manager is I've got Brandon Aubrey as the Cowboys okay. kicker mm-hmm. on at least one of my teams. Right and you know he's not missed a field goal this season I'm it's great. been this amazing story right. right so you're like oh that's good the problem is they don't kick field goals anymore <laughs> like every week it's like yeah he had four points or five <laughs> points because he had, they, they scored 35 One points right so like
1: four extra points
0: so here's what i'm asking for seattle a little bit of resistance tonight you know i need dak i have dak on a couple of rosters i really need him in my life as well mm-hmm. uh, but like how about four touchdowns sorry four touchdowns and two field goals, like preferably like 52 yards. Yarder, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, That seems reasonable to me. Is that asking too much? I don't think so. I would agree on that. All right. Uh, coming back in just a moment to preview the rest of week 13, but first a word from our friends over at Geico, they want to know, are you overwhelmed by insurance? Make it easy. Get all your insurance in one place with Geico plus get 24 seven claim support and on the go policy access with the award-winning Geico mobile app. See how easy insurance can be and go to Geico.com. All right, time now for our week thirteen preview, part one. Tyler Fulgum in the building, ESPN Bet Live host, and just an all-around swell gentleman, soon to be Connecticut resident as well.
1: Yeah, no, I mean it's official now. I'm here. You're here. i, like your I don't have this. my place um, that will be available later in December, but I left Las Vegas wow. last night for the final time. I am now a Connecticut resident. I cannot like, the nutmeg state, right?
0: The uh, nutmeg state, that's correct. Yes. Um, I, right. I think that's correct. Yeah, that's that's correct. Okay. That definitely is correct. Um, so what, what's the emotion like moving leaving from Vegas without getting you don't have They're to uh, get okay.
1: You know, it's obviously a great opportunity for me to be here with Field on on campus here, see yeah. Boomer, see Adam Schefter on oh, yeah. Sundays watching football games. That's a lot of fun. So that's great, but my golf game's gonna suffer.
0: Okay. Yeah, it is. Yeah, uh, I could
1: play year-round in mm-hmm. Las Vegas. Yeah. Um, the, the food options, the entertainment options, a little more abundant there. Yeah, I would say so. Here, just yeah. a little more abundant. So those are some things that are going to um, g- take an
0: adjustment. Yeah, they will. Uh, but I will say the Silver Lining. Food scene way better here than I was told.
1: I've had some good meals already. Yeah, here, so, so
0: you so have often. to go head, head over to West Hartford Center, mosey yeah. around there. Yeah, we'll do that. But I've then the problem been. is you might get hired by one of those restaurants, <laughs> which would be good. Uh, but we also are going to take advantage of the fact that you are an A-plus chef. Hopefully one day on Fantasy Focus we can actually cook I'll, I'll a cater, meal. I'll
1: cater Fantasy uh, uh, FF great. now that on, a, on a Sunday morning. I know that, sh- that would I'll be bring more my appropriate. signature breakfast sandwich. What is it? Um, we got candied bacon okay. with brown sugar yep. and um, black pepper, avocado, cilantro, over medium egg, pickled shallot or fresno chilies english muffin and some cholula hot okay. sauce is my favorite
0: okay that sounds i love Cholula as well yeah. that sounds amazing now the only question yeah. i have and i'm I'm not trying to be uh ridiculous here but like how do you wake up in the morning and not like that must take some time it right? does
1: it takes it takes um commitment and time but you know um all good things that are worth it you know are worth the wait kind that's of that's a good point uh, yeah and you can prep things ahead you know
0: okay You're all right fishing? i like i am and maybe it's because i have two young children now like my my yeah. cooking is extremely basic these days like if, Cheerios if I, into the right, yeah if, if i'm lucky <laughs> like if i'm going fancy it's like i toast a bagel in the morning usually it's just like coffee and whatever i can scour together so uh, one day i will get back into cooking well, but for now I'm a am reasonable basic.
1: excuse not to be able to cook as much as i do no yeah,
0: kiddos they are the crazy coffee. but they are no the best coffee. um you are a Rams fan You're from St. Louis originally. So you have followed the Rams to, they followed you actually to the West coast. Exactly. Uh, Did it bother you when they left? Like were you, were you like, um, uh,
1: it did bother me the way that it went down, but I completely understood the reasonings because the value of the franchise, just by putting Los Angeles in front of it instead of St. Louis was, Went from nine hundred million, sorry, to five billion. Also crazy. I understand that.
0: Kronky, pretty much everything he touches turns to gold these days, right? Don't say that I know, I know. That's I know. I'm sorry, but it's like avalanche, nuggets, (laughs) Rams, one of his soccer teams too, right? Uh, Arsenal.
1: He has the Arsenal soccer team across the pond. Yeah, Uh, I think a lacrosse team. Yes, the Mammoth, the the
0: Denver Mammoth, and Um, uh, Colorado Mammoth. Excuse me, they won the uh, yeah. They won the championship. It's been a good uh, run for the and, uh, two family, years ago. Yeah, much
1: to the chagrin of the three one four and the six three six. I I'm still sorry. love you. But yeah, I,
0: of course you do. Uh, so you're a Rams fan, and you yes. can help us here because uh, sometimes okay. uh, I think I, I'm one of those people that believes that like people like there are some journalists who cover the team that they grew up rooting for and like have no shame, but admitting mm-hmm. they're a fan. It's like, like that's ridiculous. Those people can't be uh, level headed and right. even about it. They're going to be biased. They're going to root for the guys like uh, they're going to be homers. And I think sometimes the people that root for the players are actually like more down the middle because they like, they just call it how they see it Mm -hmm. because they're going to stick with these players no matter, like they're going to stick with the franchise no matter what, but like they ride so much of the emotional wave that they just have no choice, but to get it off their chest. Um, I think the, perfect part about fantasy is it doesn't matter like you don't have to be emotional about your team because you don't necessarily have those players on your roster but cooper cup is one of those guys that's hard to ignore in fantasy as mm. is puka mm-hmm. the rookie sensation but they have been quiet over yeah. the past two weeks and now they draw the cleveland browns right can you make the case for P- cooper cup and puka or are you more inclined to make the case against them
1: i'm more inclined to make the case against them okay unfortunately I hear you. Um, I, you know, again, I think when you are a fan of a team, the bias is there, but information, I don't read. Every single beat reporter for, you know, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Right. I do that for the Rams. I get all the information on the Rams because that's the team I care about. So I know what's kind of going on underneath these surface stats with this team. And Cooper Cup is probably not 100%. We saw him tweak that ankle again uh, against Arizona. Um, Puka Nakua has been great. But Matthew Stafford also dealing with a little bit of a thumb uh, issue. And the offensive line has finally started to get healthy again. What that has done, though, with Kyron Williams now returning, has opened up this offense now to be far less concentrated than it was a year ago. Last year, it was Cooper Cup, and that was all they had. Now they have Kyron Williams. Tutu Mm -hmm. Atwell has emerged. Puka Nakua is a good compliment, which Allen Robinson was not last year. Um, So this is just a confluence of things that have made Cooper cup along with the injuries far less effective from a fantasy perspective than he was the last couple of years.
0: All right. So I'm going to try to do this. So I I have Cooper cup ranked as wide receiver 28 this week, just one spot behind a wide receiver 29 that implicitly suggests like not a ton of confidence for two guys. That that would be like 20 spots lower Mm -hmm. than where I have them as recently as a week ago. What I'm going to try to do, and perhaps for selfish purposes, but because there are a lot of people out there that I do think are struggling with the idea of, do I play, can I really play Cooper Cup? Let's try to figure out the path in which he can have a bounce back week. And, right. and a lot of this logic applies for Puka Nakua as well, although I feel like with Puka, you've gotten gravy this year mm-hmm. because of how great he has been above mm-hmm. expectation that it's a little bit less frustrating mm-hmm. as compared to Cooper Cup because... Before the injury, if you drafted before the injury in the preseason, he might have been, I don't know, the third pick off your draft board, fifth pick off your draft board. Um, let's talk through it, though, because Cooper Cup, on the downside, has six combined targets right. over the past two weeks. He got hurt in one of those games, right? Didn't yep. play for, right. like, about 60% of that game. Right. Last week, the Rams game got in a hand about a quarter into yeah. it. Kyron Williams and the, ra- the ground game just absolutely Tyler Higby. It. Higby two had touchdowns. two touchdowns. Yeah. Williams had two receiving touchdowns as well. So if I'm trying to like engineer the case for Cooper cup, it's this, it's that it's not going to be as easy on the ground every single week as it was last week. He is fully practicing. Once again, Mm -hmm. he practiced in full Mm -hmm. yesterday. So I think the health is still a thing, but it's not going to limit his availability. Every single drop back that they threw a pass last week, Cooper cup ran around out there. 100% round participation. They may have to throw it a bit more, even in a terrible matchup against the Browns, who, of course, have allowed the second most, second fewest uh, fantasy points to opposing receivers. Maybe, though, the thing that uh, I am going to default to and hope for the most is that Sean McVay is very aware of his players and just sort of like the the narrative surrounding sure. the players sure. during every week of the season. Right. Remember when Cooper Cup came back from the injury in that very first game back? <laughs> was- first drive, he had five catches. That was against uh, Pittsburgh? Pittsburgh Uh, Philly? I I think it was Philly. Philly, yeah, it was Philly. Philly, Philly. Five catches on the first drive. Now, I get it. Philly is a much different pass defense than the Browns are, but still, to me, that was a very concerted effort by Sean McVay to get Cooper Cup involved. Now, the Rams are more focused in on staying very much alive in the NFC wildcard battle right now, but if you told me that Sean McVay thought to himself this week, I gotta get those two guys going a little right. bit right now, and especially Cooper, the guy who is a former Super Bowl MVP offensive player of the year just two seasons ago, wouldn't totally surprise me. Wouldn't surprise me either. I'm I'm sort of I'm trying, I'm trying to engineer this right now.
1: And and that's the I, I like workshopping field. I <coughs> yeah. like anytime we can workshop and just try and understand no matter which side you're on. How does it play out Mm -hmm. if you go this way? How does it play out if you go this way? I am on the other side where I think because Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua are such selfless wide receivers, they are not the typical diva. Cooper Cup is not going to Sean McVay and say, I need the Rock. Cooper Cooper Cup is worried about winning football games, and right now they're doing that. Cooper Cup also knows that the Cleveland Browns may have the best pass defense in the entire NFL. Miles Garrett looks like he might is trending towards availability, so... I think Sean McVay is going to lean heavily on a rushing attack that now has its catalyst back in Kyron Williams, and the offensive line is gaining confidence through that. Again, Stafford dealing with the thumb a little bit as well. I do not think we're going to—this has a low total— under 40 it's like 39 and a half right? yeah it's a, it's expected to be a low scoring game i don't see as many dropbacks in this game for matthew stafford as other matchups and that is what concerns me about both cooper cup and puka Feel
0: you on that what i'm hoping for with cooper is that like i don't expect a 10 for 120 in sure. a touchdown game but i'm hoping that sean mcveigh says let's avoid the three for 12 game that yeah, he had last yeah. week like can Fair. we get this guy five or six catches for 60 yards on Sunday, maybe an end zone target as well. That to me would be a big win. If you were a Cooper cup manager, other side of the game, Amari Cooper, who himself is banged up. He's got the shoulder injury that uh, popped up last week. Right now, the Browns have not named a starter for Sunday, but they have noted that Joe Flacco is the number two, which yep. means that if Dorian Thompson Robinson can't clear concussion protocol by Sunday, mm-hmm. which would be a fairly quick turnaround, Joe Flacco show is back, baby. The Browns definitely get better hair under center <laughs> with that elite lettuce of Joe Burrow. But do you have any confidence in Amari Cooper this week?
1: If Joe Flacco is playing, Amari Cooper is the number one wide receiver in this game. It's not Cooper Cup. It's not Pukunukua. I think spicy. Amari Cooper goes yeah. off for close to 100 yards, if not that, in a touchdown with Joe Flacco. All right. Let's go back to last year when Joe Flacco was quarterbacking the New York Jets week one through three. Yeah. The alpha receiver, I think he recognized immediately, mm-hmm. was Garrett Wilson. Right. Weeks one through three of Garrett Wilson's career. He got 33 targets, 11 per game from Joe wow. Flacco. Okay. Flacco will feed the football to whoever his best wide receiver is. Yeah. And I think he knows that is Amari Cooper.
0: God, I love that logic because uh, it's been tough for Amari Cooper recently. How about this? In two games since Deshaun Watson got hurt, he's got six catches for 50 yards. David Njoku
1: and Elijah Moore are taking all the, all the targets at or near the line of scrimmage. Joe Flacco will
0: push the football down the field. And Joko over the and pa- Njoku over the past months is over nine targets per game. <laughs> the wild. guy is getting all <laughs> oh, hit fifteen targets in a game that recently. It's crazy. So you're hoping that like a little bit more of driving the football down the field follows for a guy and Joe mm-hmm. Flacco, who whatever he can't do anymore, he still can throw the football. Yes, he can. Plenty far. So I've got Amari Cooper, though, right now is wide receiver 40. And if Flacco is available, he'll go up okay. probably a handful like of spots I because like right now the passing offense is borderline non functional with DTR. I'd be surprised, truthfully, if DTR is available that's, on Sunday.
1: That's the read I'm getting. I, I feel like it's trending towards Flacco. And I feel like if you're a Browns fan for this matchup yep. against the Rams on the road in a dome, I think that's what you want. I think the cornerbacks that the Rams have mediocre young players amari cooper should be able to win those matchups and i think he can get accessed
0: by joe flacco better than dtr we have not been talking about particularly prolific passing offenses so far today so let's keep it rolling with the carolina panthers (laughs) baby uh, they have a new offensive coordinator they have a excuse me they have a a new head coach i should say uh, as they fired frank reich after 11 games second shortest tenure in nfl history by a head coach we go back to Thomas Brown calling plays. He called the plays briefly, and then Frank took that responsibility back. The whole thing is a mess mm-hmm. right now in Carolina. Do you believe that Adam Thielen has fallen off the tracks, or is that volume just too good to ignore?
1: Um, I think the volume at the beginning of the season was the – you know, upper 5% outcome. I don't think that's something we can rely on the rest of the way. Um, But I I do think he is still going to be the guy that Bryce Young looks at, you know, eight to 10 times in this matchup. And we know that in this matchup, this is a team that you can throw the football on. Okay. I I trust them to be able to throw the football against Tampa Bay because that's, they've allowed eight receivers to go for a hundred or more yards this season. You don't run on Tampa Bay, you throw on them there, a pass funnel and I think Tampa Bay might be leading. So a negative game script forces Carolina to throw to catch up.
0: I'm with you there. By the way, this is one where like, because Thomas Brown has already called plays and truthfully, like, because I think this, this offense in Carolina is pretty much helpless. I don't think much changes with the head coaching slash yeah. other staff changes this week. Like, I think it's pretty much status quo from what it has been. I think people are a little bit uh, too over too much re- overreacting to last week with Adam Thielen in which he had just three targets, In four of his past five games prior to that, he had at least 10 targets a game. Thielen has been so busy this year, and uh, the possibility of a big play is pretty limited with Adam Thielen. (laughs) That being said, like... If he gets you nine targets in a game, there's a pretty reasonable chance for those of us that are PPR fiends. He turns that into six catches for 65 yards. And he's a
1: He's a red zone and end zone savant. The yeah, guy is has been at, going back to his days in Minnesota. He earns the most valuable targets, those inside the 10-yard line in the red zone. Whatever he does with uh, his route running, his just understanding of the defensive concepts, he is brilliant at earning targets in the end zone. He doesn't yeah. need a 40-yard touchdown. He scores those six, seven, eight-yard touchdowns all the time.
0: I was listening to a podcast uh And they mentioned the idea, like, we should do a show sometime of our best and worst takes of all time. (laughs) I was thinking about that, and I don't know. I I feel like I I don't personally love reliving your best takes. I I, I sort of think, like, implied in the job Mm -hmm. is try to provide entertainment and analysis. Uh, But worst takes, you know, you can have some fun with those. And mine, and there are a lot to choose from, don't get me wrong, (laughs) but one of my all-time worst had to have been Adam Thielen, who came out of nowhere and had this monster game. Like, I'm talking, like, 12 catches and two touchdowns. Mm -hmm. Prior to that, he had, like, Ten total catches in his career, and I'm like my analysis after those. You know, this is the, this obviously this is the best game that Adam Thielen will ever have in his career. And then it was like from there he became like an all pro receiver like every single season. So uh, my apologies to Adam. Hopefully he's forgiven me because I'm sure he listens to this show daily about that bad take I had. Um, but you're right that that Bucks pass defense right they've allowed the second oh. most receiving yards to wide receivers this season. We see it every single week. Michael Pittman went off yep. last week. Yep. Josh Downs had 13 targets in that game, and especially if the Buccaneers are doing to the Panthers what the Colts are doing. That was a game which the Colts were leading for yep. much of it, right? Yep. So uh, if the Panthers are up big, which we anticipate, I do expect him to be busy. Jonathan Mingo is sort of trending yeah. up. I want to mention this yeah. name. I don't think people playing in 10 or 12 team leagues are going to be bothering themselves with Jonathan Mingo. And I think he's still a work in progress as a player. Have you seen the clip that went around uh, social media this week? I like Mingo, it was like Bryce Young was like dashing to his right. Mm-hmm. Mingo was also running to the right and it was like, you know, a sideline pass Where like Mingo rather than just like stopping and catching the ball, like he kept running and had to like leap back. And next <laughs> thing you know, like his body is yeah, inbound, just, but his feet are out of bound. And you're just like, you made that it, so much harder yeah. on yourself that it needed to be. But he does have a little bit of momentum with six or more targets in each of the past three weeks. And he actually led the team in receptions yep. last week. So, um, we we talked about this a little bit earlier in the week about uh, waiver strategy. If you are in a spot where you have flexible bench spots now, mm-hmm. uh, because either you you don't want to carry two quarterbacks, you don't want to carry two tight ends, and your star has already had his buy, maybe it's not a terrible name to keep in mind. Agree. Just in case. Agreed. This continues, and just in case I'm wrong, and this coordinator not coordinator, but this play collar change does make a difference for this Carolina offense. Plus, they play a lot of NFC South teams down the stretch. They could maybe possibly find a little bit of momentum here. Maybe.
1: I I think this is as good a spot as Mingo's going to see all season. And for those who want to try and win, you know, a million dollars playing Daily Fantasy, Mingo and DJ Shark are almost the stone cold minimum on DraftKings. And those are the type of low ownership plays that could pop off. I'm not saying for 25 points, but if they give you... 16, 17, 18 could be a difference maker in your tournament lineups.
0: And we mentioned earlier, you mentioned earlier how the, uh, the bucks are a pass funnel. Oh my gosh. So you're avoiding Shuba Hubbard.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Avoiding Shuba Hubbard. Um, Miles yeah. Sanders obviously hasn't been anything at all this season. And Sanders siphoned some touches last week that were a bit concerning, but it's still Hubbard's backfield in terms yep. of uh snap share, uh, things like that. But, uh, I'm avoiding running backs against Tampa Bay loading up on pass Yes,
0: As, as am I. I have Hubbard as RB 27, which gay third time again, <laughs> it's going to get to 50 by the end of the show. Uh, 16 on a buy. He's still only RB 27. Well, let's talk about the uh, Texans here and the running backs to start specifically. I would have told you coming into the season that Damian Pierce is clearly a better overall prospect than Devin Singletary. Yep, I would, I would have been wrong because it sure seems like the Texans have identified <laughs> Devin Singletary as the much superior player. When Devin Singletary was running by himself with no Damian Pierce, he was going off. Like, he was a top 15 running back. Absolutely. Now that Damian Pierce is back, the value has decreased for Devin Singletary. But if you had your druthers to choose between one of these two backs, is it as clear to you as it is to me which one you want?
1: Yeah, it's Singletary. Uh, Pierce only played 18% of the snaps last week. I expect that to increase. but I don't think he's going to jump from 18 to 60. Yep. And Singletary has um, pass game chops. Yep, do, he has been great in the red zone converting. Um, this is a game that has a, one of the higher totals uh, <laughs> with Denver coming into Houston. It's going to be playing in a dome environment. There's going to be offense in this game, so much rather have Singletary in a RB2 or flex spot than Damian Pierce.
0: And worth noting that Denver, one of the worst defenses in the NFL against opposing All running time. backs. As Mike Day has been talking you know, they've obviously been a lot better in defending the pass after that 70-point outburst <laughs> But the Dolphins. I think the reason why these guys are more closely clustered together in rankings than you might expect based off of our analysis of the first two minutes of this conversation is that one, you pointed out Damien Pierce is not going to play 18% of the snaps again. He's going to play more than that. It wouldn't surprise to me if it's more like 35 to 40% of the snaps. Moreover, seven targets last week for Devin Singletary while he's capable of pass catching, it is more of an outlier than what we have seen in prior years from him because Like when he was in place for Damian Pierce, he had like a 30 carry zero target game. Like it's just run the football (laughs) that they just, can you blame them for wanting CJ Stroud to instead throw to the likes of Tank Dell and Nico Collins and even Noah Brown when he was healthy. Sounds like he'll be back this week, by the way. One of the big questions that people have is what happened to Dalton Schultz. Yeah. Mike flagged this on Monday, and we learned something yesterday. Mike had noted that basically he was off the field for like the last like 14 passing attempts of the game. Nothing was mentioned in terms of an injury during the game, so it seemed, or at least the the idea was floated that maybe he was benched for Brevin Jordan. Now he's a hamstring injury and he missed practice on Wednesdays. That explains that. I'll mention that to say that if Dalton Schultz plays on Sunday, unless we get some sort of reporting, like, yeah, he's going to play, but he's going to be a very limited player. If he's playing on Sunday, I'll have him back inside my top 10 for tight ends. uh, Because I thought Monday was like, my alarm was up. It's a little bit less. So now like the fact that we know why he was not playing interesting uh, and, and important and tells me that, if he's good to go, he will be what he has been for a recent chunk of this yep. season, which is one of the more reliable tight ends in fantasy.
1: And I think like we were talking about Jake Ferguson yep. a little bit earlier, a couple of down performances, if he is healthy and gets yep. his normal snap share, I am expecting a positive regression for someone like Dalton Schultz. Again, this is a great game environment. 47 and a half, I yep. think, is the total. The Broncos have been abysmal against tight ends yeah, all season really as so, well. Yeah. This is as good a matchup as we have in the NFL if you're a tight end, and I expect there are going to be points in this game. I think both offenses are going to trade shots and trade uh, scores. So having a piece of the Texans, I think, is valuable
0: for this week. And we mentioned earlier that you just want as much of people catching passes from Dak Prescott.
1: Same that applies to Stroud. C.J.
0: Stroud. Uh, I can't wait for Good this ball. one. Uh, a game that has real important wild card implications in the AFC. I would not have guessed that I know. Both teams uh, about a month right or now, so right? ago between these two players. Uh, Tyler is a DFS specialist here, but... If Schultz is out, Brevin Jordan yeah. will be about as cheap as it gets a tight mm-hmm. end and could potentially, if he, if he soaks up five targets from CJ Stroud at probably 3 k reasonable value right oh, there.
1: Absolutely. If, if, Schultz, if Schultz is out, Jordan becomes maybe the chalk, yep. popular, It'll cheap be, tight end. Absolutely. Totally.
0: Let's talk about the uh, Bengals' offense now, as we saw them for the first time for a full game without Joe Burrow yeah. last week. Before we talk about the fantasy, just like uh, your expression right there was mm-hmm. good for those that may admit, but just like a word to describe their offense last week. Or or a sound like that—that's pretty good, right there. Yeah, uninspiring. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely.
1: Uh, I mean, Jamar Chase still incredible catching those deflected passes. I know. That come you, two the of the his four catches exactly. run deflections, and then it's like taking one right? thirty yards extra yeah. after the catch. But it is clear that Jake Browning um, is a backup for a reason, yeah. and we you know we know this offense has struggled at times this year because Burrow was hurt, then T Higgins got hurt, and it's just been a a calamity for the uh, Bengals all season long. Just a compounding issues, which. Frankly, I mean, this team's playing back-to-back AFC title games. That's a lot of football they've played the last couple of years, and it's not surprising to see them suffer some injuries, unfortunately, because they have played so much football.
0: Yeah, they have. They've really. I mean, it's like uh, reminds me of like um, these NBA teams that like they finish up their season in the NBA Finals, like June 22nd, and then it's like yeah, training camp September (laughs) one. You're like, what? A month off? Like, come on. Meanwhile, like you know the uh, I don't know the Hornets are done like April first, and they're like, yeah, I got I got like you know half the year off before I have to return. (laughs) Uh, But I'm with you and just how uh, uninspiring the offense was this past week and i'm not sure that it gets a lot better for a few reasons and i don't know if this is the only reason why or not but given how poorly they ran the football last week against a good pittsburgh defense i wonder if pittsburgh said make jake browning beat us sounds Joe like Mason, smart coaching yeah, it, field. It, to me it would be very simple right like i'd rather go down because jake browning carves me 100%. for 275 100%. yards and three touchdowns than. You know, the running game controls the clock and, you know, Joe Mixon goes for 125 and Jake Brownie has like, you know, two late game throws that do enough to seal the victory. So if I'm Jacksonville, same deal that I would be thinking this week, Joe Mixon had a total of eight carries in week 12. So what does it mean for Jamar chase? Let's start there. I still have Jamar chase wide receiver 16, because yeah. this goes back to like the DK Metcalf thing, start- right? Like
1: he's in your lineup. You're starting him and you're going to, you're going to take what you get and shrug your shoulders. Hopefully it's good. Hopefully you get, you know, a surprising outcome from Jake Browning, but you're not putting Jamar Chase on your bench, even though um, there is little reason for optimism, despite his name being Jamar Chase. Yeah,
0: We're not far enough down the road with Jamar Chase and Jake Browning, where it's just been such a perpetual struggle that you're like, okay, crap, we have to do this. Like we're, we're still like, we're like two or three bad games away from really having that conversation thoughtfully. Well, the benefit maybe one or two,
1: Uh, yeah, the benefit here, Field, is, again, expected game script. I, I think J- Jacksonville's a big favorite. Uh, eight points, I believe. Wow! So if Jacksonville has a 24-10 to 10 halftime lead, yeah. it's a lot of Jake Browning dropbacks. Whether they're efficient or not, probably not. But yeah. at least there's opportunity. So you could see 12 targets from uh, Jamar Chase just because that's necessitated out of the um, hole that they're in.
0: Yeah, and uh, to the point of Joe Mixon and how we talked about how just how bad they were last week on the ground... He's fallen all the way to running back 17 this week. And again, fourth time, there's a lot of players on a bye this week at that running back spot. So for him to be that low tells you how much confidence I do not have in the Cincinnati offense. And the Jaguars, believe it or not, top five in terms of limiting opposing running backs and fantasy points this year. If the formula follows, make Jake, Jake Browning beat us. The thing is that last week, you got a little bit of passing game utilization from Joe Mixon, but... His passing game utilization is not going to pick up a ton of yards. It's all dump off city, right? Right. So you're going to need five catches for 30 yards plus 45 yards rushing plus a touchdown for a big Joe Mixon day.
1: Terrible matchup because Jags have been objectively good against the run. And then I think you make a great point is that they're going to be even more focused on selling out to make Jake Browning beat them. So uh, similar to to kind of Charbonnet, I think you're just hoping in a game where they're probably gonna get beat pretty handily, Mixon catches five or six passes out of the backfield because
0: Browning's feeling pressure with one big run. And that's probably enough to get him to 14 fantasy points or something like that. Uh, Let's talk about the commanders Mm. who play the dolphins on Sunday. Uh, You're starting all your dolphins, more thoughts on that tomorrow if need be, but Curtis Samuel went off on Thanksgiving. Nine catches for 100 yards. We've mostly talked about Curtis Samuel so far this year, Tyler, in the vein of the fact that he kind of blockades Jahan Dotson, which is a problem because we all liked Jahan Dotson a lot coming into this season. Are you buying the idea that Curtis Samuel could have another big game or is that the (sighs) one-off?
1: I'm more inclined to say that it's going to be an average Samuel game, which is like three or four catches for 30 to 40 yards and maybe a rush attempt or two. I don't think he's going to go for nine and 100 like he did on Thanksgiving. But um, I heard from the boys over at Establish the Run, Adam Levitin, Evan Silva, that it is actually Samuel who has the highest um, target share per route run for this team, is that right? which is amazing. I mean, Sam Howell's dropping back a zillion times. He is throwing the football, but he is spreading it out. Yeah, McLaurin, Dotson, Logan Thomas, Samuel, the guys out of the backfield, whether it's Robinson or Antonio Gibson, like they are throwing the football. There's just so many options. You wish it was a little more condensed. Um, yeah. And so Samuel's the guy who's going to operate near the line of scrimmage. Um, not a great matchup for him here. Uh, they will be playing from behind, but... Um, I think we're going to see him regress back to an average Samuel line this
0: season. That's, I think, the part that's most important when you mention they're going to play from behind. Because given the explosiveness of the Dolphins' offense and the Commander's weak defense, which has been weakened since the trade deadline when Mm -hmm. they traded away both of their top pass rushers, this could be the, like, Tyree could have 28 points in the first half by himself, (laughs) right? Like, it could be 31 to nothing at the half, and I would not be surprised at all. So you're kind of hoping, like, maybe Curtis Samuel and Jahan Dodson and... Crazy enough, Terry McLaurin all get like eight targets yep. apiece on Sunday because they're down so big. And while the Dolphins have tightened the screws against opposing wide receivers in recent weeks, I think it's worth noting that in the case of Miami, like one game against the Jets, like that's going to help your your rating every time. But also like a game against Kansas City, the defense is going to be a little bit more up. For that game, sure. then they might be in a game against the Commanders, And at that point, and maybe things have not totally changed, but at that point, the Chiefs were still a mess offensively.
1: And let's think about why that defense has gotten better for Miami. Hello, Jalen Ramsey. That helps. He's yeah. a guy who operates on the perimeter. Yep. So, and that's not where Curtis, that's, Affecting more Terry McLaurin. So, again, I think there's opportunity or there's a path here for Samuel to have another ceiling game. Playing from behind, Howell drops back 55 times, and he turns, you know, eight targets into six catches, maybe finds the end zone and has a few rushing attempts. But a 9 for 100, I think there's a 93% chance that's his highest output game of the season. Oh, man
0: it also came against me in a league that I was just ah. like, oh my God. I was just, it was one of those, it was like, I have so much to be thankful for, except for you, <laughs> Curtis. Samuel, on Thanksgiving, of course, uh, man. Brian Robinson, his teammate in the backfield has been good this season. Actually the fifth highest scoring running back. Now he has a game in hand. He has wild. not yet had his buy, yeah, but I don't know how many of us thought he would be a top five scoring running back in terms of total points at this juncture of the year. The problem with Brian Robbins is that with Antonio Gibson back, we had this thing that totally unlocked crazy upside yeah. for Brian Robinson yep. for a couple of weeks. He was catching a million passes mm-hmm. as well. He had six catches for 119 yards. If I told you coming into the year that Brian Robinson oh. would have a 119-yard receiving game, but not have a game with more than 87 rushing yards, you'd think I'm nuts, right? I would this have was bet a guy all the money had, in my account, exactly, which is a lot of money, people. <laughs> so, what it means against Miami is that. I'd love to have him inside my top 15. He's a top five scoring running back, but i have his RB 23, Tyler, for a few reasons. Antonio Gibson's presence, right? And if this does go game script wise, like we mm-hmm. expected to, is he going to carry the ball eight times on Sunday?
1: That's with, well within the range of outcomes. And maybe even the most probable outcome is, you know, 11 or fewer carries. And you don't want that with Brian He, he
0: did have last week on the opening drive against the Cowboys. I think he had four and a half fantasy points, including one or two catches. So you're kind of hoping like you get a a designed opportunity for him early when the game still is close. And like, he's a good player. He's a really good runner. Uh, It's just the scary part of Brian Robinson this week is the idea that Miami could be up big and that it could be more the Antonio Gibson show than it is the Brian Robinson show. Uh, Running back 23 for me. Consensus ranks this week. Running back 24. Five for B-Rob. It
1: was fun while it lasted. It was. It was awesome. And maybe there, there might still be some
0: meat <laughs> on the bone there coming off the bye. We'll see. But uh, Brian Robinson, uh, a tougher matchup than you would hope for this week against Miami. Let's wrap things up here in terms of major topics for the Patriots and the Chargers who play on Sunday in a game that um, it's going to have great uniforms. We get powdered blues? Uh, we, no, I don't. I think it's all white, but they're still they're all white. Get us pretty crispy, and the Patriots, the Patriots are going the red, red jerseys. Okay, yeah, well, that's, so that's a well, that that's that's, that's an elite, an elite, elite matchup uniform. Matchup, yeah, it could have been. Chargers went powder blues. But that would be wow. That be one that that would have been the best uniform matchup probably of the season if they went powder blues. Because I'm a sucker for pretty much all yeah. these throwback uniforms. Right. The Seahawks ones they wear in there. The Patriots are terrific. Uh, there's, Rams, Kelly, Rams are silver. So Eagles, Eagles, Kelly, Kelly Green. Rams need their throwback. They do. the Rams are good. What are we doing here? Uh, we'll work on that. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I said, now that you've moved East coast, you you can't really, you can't, you're not like a a quick trip away from uh, LA to go tell them that to, do they live in LA? The Kronkies?
1: No. Well, I'm sure he has a home there. I'm sure he has a Malibu home or something, but, um, Mid Missouri, he's from Missouri, and he, he still lives his there. His main compound, I believe, is cheaper. You know,
0: oh, that's a good point. Yeah, I know he's he's you know obviously like money's tough for him it, to exactly. come by these money. days. So
1: money goes a long way
0: in Mid Missouri, as opposed. Yeah, to Malibu. does. <laughs> it does. Um, did you watch Ozark? I did. Yeah, great show. Okay, you, so you're you're on board with it because I know that people when they watch a show that might have something to do with like their hometown, right. like they they find it to be one of two things: either like terrible and trash and a poor yeah. representation of my region, or You are so, you are attached to it because it's familiar to you.
1: It was definitely, you know, they took liberties. Yeah. It's it's a TV show, but it's the visuals were spot on and the culture is, is similar, especially for the locals. Like there's a yeah. lot of money from Kansas city and St. Louis that comes in and builds nice houses there, but sure. it's a rural Missouri place. No doubt. Yeah. Rural Missouri people live there.
0: Yeah. That was my biggest observation, living in Kansas city for a couple of years. I was like, it was not lost on me. How landlocked you were mm-hmm. like, oh except gosh. for yeah. drive two hours to the Ozarks. <laughs> and there you are. Uh, you were uh, hanging out with uh, Jason Bateman. Um, let's talk about these uh, chargers and Patriots okay. wide receivers here. Uh, let's discuss uh, some injury parts of this and Keenan Allen mispracticed on Wednesday with a quad injury injury. I don't know. I just know Keenan Allen. I feel like he's going to give it a go. I feel like if Keenan were actually hurt we would have heard about it like through like a Schefter tweet or something like that prior to yesterday. Maybe I'm wrong if he plays though baby. Oh baby so good. To the moon. To the moon, baby. To To the the moon. moon. Uh, Not just because, I mean, he's keen and freaking Allen. This Patriots secondary is not what it was at the beginning of the season, not what it was in prior years.
1: It's downright terrible. Like, they're not
0: good. Oh, God. The whole team is just a a disaster right now. Um, You know, I should give them some credit on defense. I I saw this stat floating around somewhere. Apparently, they're like the first team in like 30 years to allow seven or fewer points. I'm sorry, 10 or fewer points in back-to-back games and lose both games. (laughs) 10, exactly, I think it was exactly 10 points in back-to-back games, and they've lost. It was like the, This never happens. Like You play that good of defense now that it's against the Colts and the Giants, a little bit different than the Chargers, uh, but on top of the Patriots defense and Keenan Allen being awesome, is there's no one else there. I mean, just crazy disappointment from Quinton Johnson so far for the Chargers uh, and Mike Williams being hurt, Jalen Guyton's been banged up, Josh Palmer's still on IR. It's just a mess yep. right now. On the Patriots side, DeMario Douglas is a concussion protocol. Pop Douglas has been pretty good for the Patriots on offense. I guess like he and Ramondre are the only players you can say that about for the most part this season. If he plays, do you feel good about Pop Douglas against the Chargers secondary?
1: I feel okay. Um, I I think the Chargers, this is a game where they can flex whatever muscle they have. I think it's not going to be a game where uh, the Patriots are playing a 10-7-13 you know, six type of ball game. They're going to have to score some points and maybe playing from behind. Uh, Bailey Zappi, I guess, will be the Lippin quarterback. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and um, he can he can get the ball to, to Pop Douglas, who operates in those short and intermediate areas. And let's be honest, this Brandon Staley defense has been gettable all season long. I mean, it's, it's both through the air and on the ground. You can have very viable fantasy performances when the Chargers are the uh, opposing defense. So if Pop Douglas is healthy and available and out there, I think he's a, a
0: pretty decent start this week. Here's what I'm curious about for the Chargers this week. And this is sort of a fantasy conversation and sort of like a real life conversation. They played really well this past Sunday mm-hmm. night. I mean, they were in that game. Yep. They were playing awesome defense for the most part against that really good Ravens offense. Ravens defense gave them a ton of fits, obviously. Mm-hmm. They end up scoring just 10 total points to the Chargers. That might have been their last sort of like real opportunity to stay alive in the AFC playoff picture. They're now four and seven. I mean, you got to catch up to At least one AFC North team, Cleveland and Pittsburgh, both at seven and four, Buffalo six and six, Houston Broncos, Broncos, like you're four and seven now for LA. You know, when they build that graphic that they see on every network where it's like division leaders, wildcard leaders, and in the hunt, I think the Chargers may have fallen off the in the hunt (laughs) portion of that graphic by now. This is a coach who's come under major scrutiny and a lot of fire. What kind of performance do they bring on Sunday? West Coast team going east, one o'clock game, not exactly the Patriots of old. I'll be curious to see what the Chargers bring to the table on Sunday, just in general.
1: I think they'll bring a good performance. I think they'll win the game. I think they'll win and cover this game. Um, And I think they're a four and a half, five point favorite um, uh, at the moment. But I don't think it's going to matter. Ultimately, I think this is a game where they will be able to show that they're better than the Patriots, but as we get later in the schedule and they play teams that are much better than new England, these faults, these issues, the lack of confidence, whatever it is with Brandon Staley, it's going to show.
0: I just wonder like, uh, I think what I was getting at is the idea that like, if they came out, if they came out sharp on, they come out sharp on Sunday and like as good as they can be in moments offensively, like when they go toe to toe with teams and like Herbert throws for 400 yards and Keenan goes off for 150, like they could wax the Patriots problem is we haven't gotten that version yeah, of the Chargers right. nearly consistently enough, which is a big part of the reason why everybody is wondering, is Brandon Staley going to be the char- uh, the coach for the Chargers beyond this season? If Pop Douglas is out, is there a daily fantasy consideration? Devontae Parker, what your beak at all?
1: Uh, no receivers. I think it just further validates or makes me confident in Ramondre Stevenson. Yeah. I think Stevenson's seen 20-plus touches in two out of the last three. I yeah. think if there's no Pop Douglas, then 20 plus touches is like the floor for him in this one, a lot of through the air and a lot on the ground.
0: I will bet Tyler's new mortgage. that the Patriots <laughs> mindset coming into this game against the chargers is run the crap out of the ball. Uh-huh. Try to keep Justin Herbert. Agreed. This is so Agreed. reductive in terms of analysis, yeah. but when you have a new quarterback almost assuredly and some, you know, obviously a massively struggling offense, just run the crap out of the ball, try Agreed. to make it a low scoring Agreed. game as best you can and hope that you're rushing offense which is okay yep. can muscle up against what has been a terrible rush defense for the chargers for much of this season um anything else you want to get off your chest here you've got you can trash on clay for 10 minutes if you want right
1: uh, we take turns going back and forth about trying to take the high ground yeah you know guess and, buds. he buds he and we are we are buds you know i love you mike clay um but uh it was great to sit in the seat here i'm now that I'm in Connecticut Field, I expect to get this invite uh, way more often. Happy to uh, help you guys out any way, shape, or form, because the passions for me are not only the wagering and the gambling, but uh, fantasy football is how I got into um, you know wagering and gambling as a, as a youngster. So uh, happy to do this. It was a great time uh, uh, here today, and I uh, look
0: forward to being back. I, I did get this text from, uh, from, from Scott Clark I make the joke often, but I'm going to keep doing it. It's just a picture of a baseball player named Wally Pip. Uh, Clay is CC'd on this text. So, uh, Mike, make of that what you will. Uh, you might be done. Uh, great stuff, as always. Seriously, everybody check out ESPN Bet Live if you have not yes. already. Tyler Fulgham, Tyler underscore Fulgham on Tyler on underscore Fulgham, F U L G H U M. Bet Live, of course,
1: on it's ESPN 2. Yeah. Thursday through Monday. Yep. Thursday and Friday, yep. 6 p.m. Eastern. Yeah. Saturday, yep. 11 a.m. Eastern. Yep. Sunday, 9 a.m. Eastern, Monday, 4 p.m. Eastern. So just write that down, get yep. a screenshot. You know, know the, the
0: crew, Tyler, Aaron Dolan, of course, Joe Fortenbaugh, right. now a local as yes, well. That's right, he's moving up Joe's here. Joe's got that, that Stanford. furry upper lip. <laughs> Stanford
1: uh, Steve pops in, Stanford Anita Steve, Marks. Yep, um, of course. Uh, we, oh, Play, oh, yeah, we, dob, you name yeah, it, clear, all part exactly. of the family here.
0: Uh, before we go, though, Tyler, one last thing to uh, mention, and this is an important one, it is V-Week at ESPN. We partner with the V Foundation to highlight the urgent need for cancer research. This is game-changing research that helps save lives. You can join the fight against cancer by visiting v.org slash donate. The best part, I think, is that 100% of your donation goes directly to cancer research. Hopefully, you've been enjoying uh, the replay of the Jim Jimmy V speech that uh, aired, I think it was 31 years ago now, at the ESPYs speech that gives me chills every single time that we listen to it. Sadly, everybody has been impacted by cancer one way or another. So if you have anything to give, There are very few causes more noble than v.org slash donate. All right. Great stuff. A lot of fun here. We'll see you on fantasy football now yep. on Sunday as well. If you have any questions about where to eat in Connecticut, I will tell you in exchange for one of those breakfast sandwiches that you mentioned. Does it have a name? Like do you call it something? It's just
1: the ultimate breakfast sandwich. The ultimate breakfast it's the sandwich. The best okay. breakfast sandwich in the world.
0: All right. We uh, one of our former colleagues here at ESPN, Jamie Sire, Big Foodie as Big well. Big Foodie as well. She had a sandwich named after her at a spot in the Bay Area and it's called oh, the Sire man. Witch.
1: I think that's my ultimate goal now.
0: Have a food named after you. Have
1: a sandwich named after you. Sandwich. Ultimate goal.
0: Full. Somewhere here in
1: the, you know, greater
0: Connecticut, Bristol, Hartford area. Yeah. I think, you know, the cafeteria might offer that. But you're looking for like a, an establishment outside of ESPN. I didn't think about the cafeteria, but maybe that is the you best I place to have you. it happen. I tell you what, I'm surprised
1: Chris Berman doesn't have a, a boomer sandwich. There
0: probably, probably is somewhere. I worked <laughs> at a deli in college. I went to school here in Connecticut uh-huh. and uh, worked at a deli for a couple of years there. And that place would name a sandwich after everybody. It was great.
1: <laughs> passing them out. Like yeah. I mean, it would be like super
0: unique. Like there was a guy who had like a chicken cutlet with like white rice and sour cream. I was like, is it a burrito? I was like, no, I want a sandwich, not a burrito. Hey, his taste, not mine. But he got his name on the board as well, so uh, yeah. I mean, I would have thrown like some salsa, some hot sauce, like maybe some jalapenos in there, and like called you it a burrito. Got a terrible chop basket and yeah, couldn't come right. up with it. Right. Right. One <laughs> day we're going to get you on Chop. Now that you've conquered um, guys' grocery games, although we need to have you, you need to, as we you, you don't have to, you're I want the redemption. This, like, I, I want the redemption, but redemption. now that I
1: have you know broken the seal yep. at the Food Network and have become a TV food competitor, yeah, let's go, baby. All gas, no brakes.
0: I've noticed your swagger has been a lot greater this year compared to uh, last season, so maybe that's what it is. It's like the Food Network glow-up is here for Tyler Fulgham. All right, that was a lot of fun. We'll be back tomorrow. Uh, I think it's going to be Daniel and I and Mike and Stefania. I'm not entirely sure if I'm being fully transparent, so we hope to see you guys back here tomorrow. Same time, same place. Part two of our Week 13 preview, and we'll recap the Cowboys probably taking care of business over the Seattle Seahawks. You're hired. Yes. Sorry, Clay.
1: <laughs> if you need a stick of Tide, Field is your guy. If you're in Bristol or in Farmington, you should find another ride. Candidly, he hates Mike Clay, and you know. He's on TV every day A spicy tomato who's got the stats And tweets that'll make you laugh He's our favorite host And everybody knows his name He's Field Yates
0: Two guys drove to work